Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. There it is. All right, let's do this. My guest, she is a one-person army which is her getting it done in marketing across multiple disciplines. How many of you can relate to that? I know I can. The idea of, hey, it's, a, it's that one-person marketing team, and you got to get it all done. And she's been doing it across B2B, B2C, SaaS, content, email, social, you name it, all the different disciplines. You get this, nine startups in 10 years. What? Seven side hustles. How does she have time for anything? Ambassador, and she geeks out. Previously, the head of marketing at uh, services at ClearBank. Now, she's a marketing consultant advising VC firms, evaluating those next options. Amazing, amazing. Juliana Casale, welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, wow, you're busy, huh? You make me sound like I don't sleep. I promise I do. <laughs> do, you do you get some good sleep last night? How, how'd it go? A couple, eight or nine hours? Or how, 
How's your uh, quarantine sleep? I've been like averaging seven. I'm not gonna lie. I can usually sleep 12 to 13 hours on weekends and I haven't been able to do that recently. So that's a loss in my book, but yeah. you know, not the worst loss anyone can sustain during a pandemic. So I'm lucky. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of time. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple hours of sleep. I'll take that during a, during a global crisis. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, this is so cool. You're on here uh, and we're chit chat and we're going to have a good time. It's a marketing leadership series. We're going to talk about uh, all the different things in marketing and how it applies to today, SEO, CRO, all sorts of different things. So um, I want to pass you this. It's kind of heavy. Um, at least for me, it is two hands. Okay. Here's Thor's hammer. You got it. All right, cool. Go ahead, take that, um, smash for me some kind of marketing myth. Boom, boom, there it is. Bogus strategy or misconception. It just drives you crazy. You want to set the record straight once and for all. Oh, man, so many. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. What's the smash? I, I think that the one that I hate the most is something that, that really ties into a lot of other things that piss me off so we'll just start with yeah let's do it this whole arbitrary b2b bucket versus b2c bucket that people put marketers into i don't understand it so i first kind of encountered this when i was applying for jobs i think four or five years ago and okay. as you said i've had a million jobs so i've applied to a lot of them and <laughs> um it's like if you don't check all the boxes of having already done retail people won't let you get to even the phone screen of a mm. job interview if you don't have the background of having worked with a physical product because you've got a b2b SaaS background people don't give you the time of day or trust that you're gonna be able to figure out how to market to someone who's you know buying an item um, instead of a software from you and so it's so short-sighted and weird like you're still marketing to people in either case and you're still trying to get people to take actions that lead to revenue and you're still using right. similar acquisition channels like facebook and search engine optimization and like all the all the same stuff you're building communities you're you know you've got a blog you do events like it's all the same right. i don't understand what this mentality of like you're B2B, so you can't do B2C, or I don't even know if people on the flip side have the flip side problem, but I just, I don't understand it. And I think it kind of ties into my pet peeve in, in just being an English major, which is like the word user, like everyone in marketing says like, user this, user that, like my users. And it's like, they're not users, like they're customers, but they're also just people and people right. are marketers and people are customers and like they're all just people and b2c versus b2b is not really a thing like yes the tactics are slightly different yes like the goals are slightly different but it's the same intrinsically so like can we just pretend that like this isn't a thing anymore <laughs> yeah right um slightly different goals slightly different tactics you said but then you you listed off like nine different things just off the top of your head it, it crosses over. And, and I think sometimes people make statements, especially it bugs me when people are asked, like, well, what's your favorite like software in this category? And they're like, this one's the best. Everything else sucks. And they've only used that one. You're like, okay, well, you won't, but you've done B2B and B2C. You've been in both places. So you would be the right person to be able to say, is there actually a difference or not? Um, you know, what is similar? What is different? I mean, maybe the, what is different is, is a smaller list. So we should start there. Like what is different? Like if you were to really draw the lines and then we can figure out if that's something that people can learn on the fly or not. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, given that B2B SaaS is my bread and butter for the past 10 years, yeah. you know, when you're in that space, a lot of it is um, kind of couched around the concept of free trials. So a lot of these companies want to get someone to just take an action immediately on their homepage, which is like either sign up for a demo or like sign up for a free trial. Sometimes they require a credit card, sometimes they don't. Um, But basically they're just trying to acquire you as a user, quote unquote, and get you into their dashboard to use their software. And then from there, they're trying to get you to engage with the features of the software to the point where you understand the value. And then they're trying to get you to convert to actually being a paying customer in most cases. Um, And so the tactics there are, you know, have a strong enough CTA at the front end so you'd get the person immediately when they're visiting. Um, once they're in the dashboard, give them enough information to know what what the features are that you're offering and how they can use them. And then once they're in the system, you know, reinforcing dashboard behaviors with emails, um, reinforcing them wanting to stay engaged with your product mm-hmm. through like new features, communications, community, things like that, things that will retain them and showing the value of your product to the point where they're gonna be a repeat customer. And then you can kind of layer that with like spreading word of mouth on, you know, getting them to get you more customers and things like that. And so I think it's very heavy on UX, like what is the user experience of your dashboard and um, communication around like value that your product can drive for them, being very tactical about who like who you're talking to and what they care about. Um, so depending on the verticals of who's using your product, you know, are they an agency? Are they a brand? You know, what do they want to get out of it? Like not everyone's going to have the same reason for using your product. So just making sure that you can personalize the content you're giving them um, so that they can see the most value out of it because right. churn is a huge problem in B2B SaaS. Like there's the number one killer, you know, like, they spend so much money acquiring these customers to get them into the dashboard and then they kick the tires for 30 days and then they won't convert. And it's just like this giant hole in the bottle of the funnel. And so like your job should really be not so much acquiring customers as retaining the customers because like that's where you lose your money. Yeah. I mean, it took, it took so much time and effort to get them to have them just waltz out the back door after spending a month with you would be such a waste. Yeah. So and then true. on the yeah, and then the B2C side, okay. So yeah, same yeah. thing. You've got someone visiting your website, maybe they've heard about you on the radio, maybe you got covered in TechCrunch, I don't know what, but people are there. So you're trying to again grab them with your branding, your messaging, your product positioning, um letting them navigate easily around your website to find what they're looking for. So search is really important, navigation's really important. Um you know, making it eye-catching so people um, will click on your best sellers or click on your highest value items. Um, you want to get them to add to cart. So rather than B2B right. where you want them to sign up for a trial or a demo, um, you're trying to get them to purchase. So you got to make it really, really easy for them to do that. Like find the product, add it to cart, easy checkout. Um, so just let them convert instantly. Um, so for this, it's more like how are you smoothing the path of discovery? How are you compelling them to want to buy from you versus a competitor? Um, you know, how are you building trust? Because there's so many products out there now that are, are like claiming to be one thing, but their shipping is terrible or like their product comes and it's got threads loose on it or, you know, like trust is so important um, now that everyone's a drop shipper. And so like really having like those customer testimonials, those proof points um, to say like, you know, people have been really happy with this product and you will be too. Uh, Making sure that people know if they can buy from you or not. So I've 
this has been so frustrating to me. I moved from the US to Canada a year ago. I've been trying to buy these online products and I'll get all the way from the homepage to the product page, add to cart, everything. I've curated this great shopping cart for myself. I get to the checkout. I've inputted my address. I've put in my credit card and then it only has US in the drop down. It doesn't have Canada. And I'm like, I just wasted a half hour of my life. Like you like should have told me. ship to Canada? No, no, no. And they don't oh, tell you. Geez. So there are some homepages that don't tell you that. There are some FAQs that bury that information all the way down to the bottom. So I, as the consumer, have to dig through like two yeah. to three pages or go all the way through the checkout to discover that I can't actually even buy these things. Why won't you just tell me that? Seriously. <laughs> like, it, oh, it's such a pet peeve. I, I didn't realize that Canadians have had to deal with this, but I'm so sorry to all Canadians. Like, he, I'm, yeah. they're not treating you well. <laughs> he went through that whole process. Yeah. You know, got the right sizes and made sure, okay, I really do want this. No buyer remorse going to happen now. Let's go ahead. And how far did you get? You got all the way to credit card? All the way to like the last stage where you have to input where you want your billing and shipping. And, oh, and then it's, yeah. So like, it's so, I, so now I've learned, you know, now as soon as I go to any page that I've clicked on through an Instagram ad or someone's told me about, like, I will just go straight to their FAQs and like, do they ship to Canada? And like, but that's sad. Like I shouldn't have to, like, that should be up front and center. Like it literally should be the banner on the top of the page. It's like, you ship to X, Y, Z. Cause like, yeah. that's the first question is like, can I buy your thing? Yeah. And like, it, it would be take no effort whatsoever to just detect that someone's from Canada because we do it for GDPR and all other stuff. Detect they're from Canada and they just say, yes, yep. we do ship to Canada. And you're like, okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Sign me up. Here's yeah. my money. Or, or they could even say like, we detect you're from Canada. We don't have an offering for you, but put your email in and we'll let you know when we do, because then they can start gathering Smart. intel. Like, should we be in Canada? Like how yes. much of a missed opportunity is this? And maybe they're like, they read a Tim Ferriss book and they're like, Oh, let's just see how many Canadians go all the way through to the end. But now you just <laughs> how many Canadians, Canadians are going to go on a Twitter rant saying how right? stupid this setup is. <laughs> and even if it does become available, you may not be interested because you're like, you've already wasted a half an hour. Of my yeah. Life. Fuck I don't this ever company. Get yeah. <laughs> Totally. Like, oh yeah, they, we've we've alienated half of Canada, but we now know the rest of it will buy. Great, great job. <laughs> no one is going to buy now. You know, <laughs> as you, I loved how you mentioned both processes and or processes, depending on where we're from. Oh God. Um, have you have you adopted the language yet? I haven't heard uh, any A's yet. No, I. It's funny. I've made fun of my husband the whole time we've known each other because he's Canadian and. He'll say tomorrow and sorry and resources and oh, said, oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, if you catch me doing that, please tell me. <laughs> right. If by the end you're like, oh, what's the process on that? Uh, oh, what's the process, eh? Do you follow uh, a nice process on that? <laughs> like, no, stop it. But suddenly for a second, all the Canadians were like, wow, Casey, finally, we can understand you. We couldn't. Oh, yeah. We really um, see ourselves in you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we see the maple syrup from your pores. Um, this is fantastic. So, yeah, interesting. Just different, different ideas and crossing different boundaries, but generally the same. You're in one of the things that I circled on my notes as you were describing the different processes. Processes is that uh, we should talk in Canadian accents this rest of the show. We should. I'll try. Do you know one time I did a meeting um, for my company because we were looking to expand into into the UK, 
And so we did a whole company meeting talking about potentially expanding into UK in British accents. And we all oh made tea. God. And um, <laughs> and right now the UK listeners are like, oh, cheerio, right. Um, and, and we talked, they were probably terrible accents, but the, after talking for like half an hour or 45 minutes, nonstop to the company in that accent, I had a hard time stopping. It was kind of interesting. Oh so maybe at the end of this, you know, your husband will be like, oh, you finally have converted. <laughs> I'm so, sure it'll be a gradual process. Right. It, it may be. It may be. Process. Right. <laughs> you know what? I'd like to get like an Irish accent. That'd be really cool. You know? Oh. Or like Australian. People would like, oh, you're Australian. Come on, get in here. You're in the party now. Um, but okay, so my earlier point was I circled this thing and it said um, quick actions, right? It, and it's like, oh, I know B2B, we want to get this huge company to buy this huge thing, but eat an elephant or climb Kilimanjaro. But actually, it's like little baby steps. So just, just because it's a big end goal doesn't mean that we have big steps along the way. And I know B2C has these little steps because it's like add to the card and we want to make it as seamless as possible. Little tiny purchase for $30, little tiny action. But B2B has little actions too. And I think I even had kind of taken for granted that, oh, it's a big, it's a big deal. Oh, getting someone to fill out a form or getting someone to take a demo. It's like, what's a little action we can get? A little, little free trial, a little white paper download. So it's a, it's a good point that we don't have to try to, you know, eat an elephant with like one bite. You know, we can just whether it's B2B or B2C, you want to get that ongoing relationship with a customer where they're constantly either making new purchases or making new steps forward. Yeah, and I think the really interesting thing and something that I think B2B SaaS misses a lot in the marketing tactics is like, if you look at B2C, what they do extremely well is email. They'll capture your email. Yeah. That's why you see all those pop-ups on the first page. They'll, as soon as you activate as like getting a new email address. They send you a welcome letter. It's all branded. It's beautiful. It's the copy is very thoughtful. They'll send emails every three, four days. They'll like have a letter from their CEO or it'll be about um, how their customers are using the product um, to make their lives yeah. better. It's so well thought out. And it's because they know that the average order value will go sky high if they maintain this relationship, like you make the first purchase, then they get you to upsell or buy more or tell your friends or have loyalty points, whatever it is, like that is so tactical and smart and they know it works well for them. The yeah. problem again with the whole B2C, B2B divide is B2B has not figured out email. Mm. B2B is so bad at it and like doesn't think that it's important or like I've seen this over and over and over and over. It's like this side thought that mm. sometimes we'll send out emails, but there's no real calendar or strategy as far as I've seen at most companies I've worked at. And it's such a missed opportunity. Why wouldn't you take this channel that you own? Like you don't own Facebook. You don't own any of these acquisition channels for the most part, but email is like, that's yours. No one can pry those email addresses from you. Right. So why aren't you doing everything you can to get juice out of that? I, I just boggles my mind. No, I'm with you on that one. And, and you get those shitty emails. You're like, did you just like check the <laughs> box today? Did you just phone it in? <laughs> yeah, this is literally a template trying? that you stole from a competitor and changed a few words around. Yeah. Are you even trying? Is this is this for real? This is your, this is the best you could do. Seriously. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is the best email you could write. What should you be in the circus instead? Are you in the wrong calling? <laughs> like this is a terrible email. Uh, does it speak to me? I'm the, you know, I'm the buyer and I don't want this unsubscribe, spam, spam, spam. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Or the really long ones that always gets me like 
you didn't convince me in one page, so I just need to keep scrolling. And eventually by the bottom of that, I will be <laughs> and I will buy your thing, whether it be to B or B to C. Like, oh, keep scrolling. I know you think we're fake, but just keep scrolling. By the time you get to the end, you'll trust us. Like we'll build trust uh, by bludgeoning you over the head with Thor's hammer, you know? Nobody has the time. That's true. I mean, we got time now, but we still don't have time. <laughs> nobody, no, nobody has time, dude. That's true. Like, I have a lot of friends in consulting and freelance that are like, it's so hard to get people to reply to email because they're so overwhelmed with their kids or their precarious work situation or yeah. they've been laid off or they are just, they can't handle the state of the world. And it's, you can't assume that people have more free time. They actually either don't or they just don't know what to do with themselves and they can't take decisive actions anymore. And I was actually sitting in on a webinar yesterday where they were talking about this and it was about sales tactics in the time of COVID. I was like, you can't just ask people how they're doing because some people are legit suicidal and that's not the conversation you're trying to have. You're trying to sell them something and they're going to be like, oh my God, like my grandmother just died and like my kids are driving me crazy and like I lost my job and like you can't, do what was working before, or if it, I doubt that that tactic really worked that well to begin with. Right. So it's like, you've got to change pace. You've got to figure out how to market and sell in a way that isn't going to lead to people hating you or trying to take advantage of the situation or like, it's so fraught with landmines. Yeah. Um, but, you, but yeah, like, I think the assumption that people have more free time now is like erroneous. Yeah. Oh, totally. Who, whose course was that? Was that Barrows or someone else? Um, actually Barrow was on it. Oh, it kidding. was road. Wait, no, I've been, I'm sorry. I've been sitting in on so many things. I would have to look <laughs> up what it was. It was literally yesterday and yesterday time. feels like a month ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a bunch of, wait, let me think about it. I can look it up for you. Hold on. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember what happened yesterday morning. Like that oh. is just. A sign of the times. That's how it was before COVID. So you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> wait, what's your name again? Look at my notes. What was going on? Um, Dude, okay. It was, okay. So Alice, A-L-Y-C-E, is doing this really amazing online summit called Five to Nine, where everyone who has a nine to five job and they're known for like their marketing skills and their sales skills and everything. It's like, what are they actually passionate about after work? And yeah. so they're highlighting different people's skill sets um, outside of that. And then they're also talking about how they're, nine to five has been impacted by everything that's going on. So they had a panel discussion yesterday where they had some salespeople talking about like how people have been responding to being like reached out to in this time and what's working, what's not, like what are the metrics, like are people seeing a dip in engagement, all that stuff. It was really fascinating. Um, so props to Alice, like I, I'm not in sales, but I, I sales and marketing in the best situations are very closely aligned. And so I'm always curious about, you know, what that side of acquisition looks like. And um, it was just really, really thoughtful and, yeah. and really nice to hear people sharing, like, you know, it's it's a struggle. And I feel like everyone wants to hear the the success stories, but like hearing the failures or the, mm -hmm. or the challenges is actually more genuine and helpful in most cases. Yeah, totally. totally. I mean, you learn more from the failures. When things are going right, you're like, I'm amazing. And you may or may not be, but uh, but you get to find out if you really are when things aren't going well. Um, yeah, I mean, the companies that say they're crushing it right now, I'm like, either you're really deluded or like you're one in a billion, you know, like right. I really don't 
think I believe you. Well, you know, it's weird, right? I, I think it's kind of a myth too that some com- that com- nobody's buying. Um, and we can kind of like fall in the trap of being like, oh, no one's buying. But actually there are industries that are buying. And um, I mentioned this the other day, um, my friend, uh, Lou Gudima, he's got, he had this post where it was like, um, he asked people, are you freezing your marketing spend or not? And something like 55% of them had said some kind of answer that was like, yes, in a different time period, like now for a month, for two months. And then I was like, dude, can you send me the list of the 46% that said they were <laughs> still on like Donkey Kong? And so, um, so that was one thing, but another, I've had some conversations with people in the finance world, finance, health, life science, um, some, some consumer products, right. Uh, where they're just going crazy. One guy was like my best month ever was last month. So that'd be a great customer to reach out to. Um, whereas to your point, asking the people that are selling travel stuff right now or Airbnb, how are things going? Um, not so good. Right. So it, it's weird because it's not everyone, but the, the good news is that we don't have to stop our marketing, stop our work and all that. Um, but you know, there's something you mentioned, um, about asking, you know, don't ask like, how are you doing? Um, unless you mean it, right? And I think this is kind of, this is showing whether companies really care or not. Because in the past, you'd be like, how you doing? And people are like, oh, great, how are you? Great, and now we've done our like thing where we can now talk about business. But if you ask, how are you doing? And people are just like, oh, here, here's how I'm actually doing. And you don't give a shit, and you're just like, great, I'm doing good too. <laughs> so here's my product. They're gonna be like, asshole, I'm out, right? But, or you could listen and maybe that's an opportunity to build rapport if you have the time. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how do you, okay. Like, even if I do listen to the answer, but I have a quota, like how am I going to pivot <laughs> from them being like dejected and feeling horrible to like buy my widget, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it'll really help your depression. This thing I've got, <laughs> right? This shit I'm shoveling. <laughs> That'd be a great, yeah, that'd be a great hashtag, like worst COVID sales lines ever. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's somewhere on the internet. That and if not, there should be. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's start it. Let's sure. do it right after this podcast. <laughs> if we remember. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like the caring, right? And I, I was seeing a lot of the different ads. Um, one email I ranted on LinkedIn about was like, we care about you, which is like my, my company, one of our core values. So I'm like, it matters when people abuse it. Like, Oh, we care. Here's some spam. And the email that I got was we care. Here's our pricing list. I was like, oh, I hate God. you guys. I hate you. <laughs> Don't do that. It's just so wrong. Yeah. I saw a retailer I don't, first of all, I don't remember ever giving them my email. So that's a whole other story, but right. they were like, they sell jewelry, but they decided to start selling N95 masks. And I was like, okay, so you're taking these away from doctors who need them to sell them to private citizens who don't, don't like, need what them. kind of tone deaf crap is that? I was like, right. I was livid. I actually posted on Twitter. I was like, this is not cool. Kind and they were price yeah. gouging to boot. Like they were charging way too much. Totally. totally. Yeah. And it's like, ew, gross. Like a bunch of vultures <sighs> swooping in. Hyenas like, ooh, let me sell some face masks. No, like, no, don't no, all. It was I like was charm necklaces and then N95 masks. I was like, this really? is just cognitively so disturbing. It yeah. wasn't charming Charlie was or something like that. Cause I'd be like no. freaking out. <laughs> if you really want to find out, just look at my Twitter. <laughs> uh, okay, exactly. What's your Twitter? Uh, it's attack of the text. Got it. All one word. Do we have underscores? 
Oh no, all one word. Okay, we'll put we'll put that in the show notes too. People can go find out who these troublemakers are. But right, yeah. like it's like, do you really care or not? And I think this time more than anything will show if you do or not. It's a if you don't, that's I, it's not good. But don't fake as long as you don't fake it. It's almost like no harm. Like we assume you don't care about us. We assume you're just trying to sell us shit. Um, and that's if you so just sad. keep keep doing you <laughs> during this thing, fine. But if but if you're like, oh no no no. We care about your safety. Oh, how are you doing? You know, touching advertisement with music and, and applause, right? And, and then it's yeah. like, oh, so buy my thing. I'm like, I hate you. I'm blocking you from my mind, you know? So it's very similar. I don't know how familiar you are with like femvertising, but it's a no, tell me about ad- it. Oh my God. Okay. Again, like we're, this is like a pain, a pain point. I, okay. As a woman, I am marketed to very heavily with like, women products and like women empowerment and women can do anything they want women yeah the future whatever feminism um but it's not real like the company does not give two shits about me as a woman they care about me being a walking wallet with legs and so um i got this email from this is so funny again don't know how they got my email right ky like the lubricant company oh shit canadian branch for international women's day sent me an email and it's like, we support you from the bedroom to the boardroom. And we like think women are amazing. And if you want something done, ask a woman. And it was like all this jargon and bullshit and sentences <laughs> that made me literally like snort into my coffee and like send it to all my friends. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is what fresh hell is this? <laughs> like, I'm not, what? I uh, like the opposite effect of what they intended, I'm sure. They wanted everyone to be like, yeah, I'm woman. Hear me roar. I'm going to go out and buy lube i so weird what that is so <laughs> it's like weird. all these companies that want to pretend like they're your friend and pretend like they support you like were they actually they weren't like donating to women's causes or anything that right. would lead me to believe they actually cared they are just trying to like get on the bandwagon of international women's day to sell Ugh. their products so my friend katie martell actually has this whole movement called pandermonium where she like talks about companies that pander to different demographics and like she will call them out if they do stuff like that which i love because she's just like you can't make a buck off the backs of people that you're not actually supporting like put your money where your mouth is like you if you are gonna walk the walk then like actually show it like you're not gonna profit off of saying that you support women and then actually like if you look at the pay gap in their corporate branch it's like totally ridiculous or like there are no women executives or like if you actually dig into the companies that are pushing this agenda they're like mostly just full of shit so it's like same thing like you know if you're going to be sending at least outreach where you're like fake empathetic or fake whatever people are going to see that from a mile away and it's just going to bite you in the ass or even if it doesn't it's not good for your business right right what a miss for ky like if if they had if they had like made it kind of like a winky face where they were being ridiculous kind of like the virgin brand when 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 he's like on a plane dressed as a flight attendant being weird you're like he's he's not i don't think he's paying i think he's just weird i think he's just being like his goofy self and you're like okay you guys are goofy um all right but like if they they made it too serious like if they or to your point if they'd been like haha and then at the bottom it was like i know but we're actually donating and you know, dollar from every bottle or something. Um, then you'd be like, oh, I got to forward this to my friends. It's like it got the right result, 
but it got like a brand hit, a negative hit to that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it read like an onion article. Like it was so <laughs> yeah. so stereotypical and bad that I just like I was like giggling and sending it to people, but in the wrong way. Like I can give you an example of a good one. Yeah, yeah. Is um there's a retailer in Canada, but also I think they have a US store um called Nix. It's K-N-I-X, and they okay. are a women-led company. They do women's products. It's like bras that are comfortable and underwear that's good for your period. They're leak proof. It's great. Like the branding is great. The products are great. Like the leadership is awesome. And they did this campaign where um, they're like, you know, we're tired of Victoria's Secret where like every model is like 5'10 and like so skinny and like not everyone who shops for bras like needs a push-up bra because some of us have really big boobs and some of us like right. don't need like these like strappy, with, crazy is, lacy right? things yeah. and like like everyone has different bodies so like why don't we see that in advertising for lingerie and so they did this campaign where they had all of the people in the photo shoot were like over 50 different body types different like like just walks of life, like diversity, like everything, like it was like exactly what you want to see. And I like, they got so much kudos from their community and from people who had never heard of the product before because they actually put real people on their, like their commercials, their, like their, all their marketing. It was just beautiful. Like, cause you can see yourself in that and you can say, I know what this bra is going to look like. Cause there's someone else with like, I'm sorry, 36 double D like people yeah. have, cup sizes that aren't B and like I it's every time again every time I shop for anything like it's like why don't I see people who look like me because I'm not going to buy it because it's not going to look the same on me as someone who's like this size zero and right. it's just so refreshing to see a brand that is all about women but like actually celebrates women like all different types of women and so like that's where my wallet's gonna go it's not the <laughs> it's not gonna be the ky lube it's gonna be right. like nicks and their amazing mission to actually yeah. celebrate humans in all shapes and sizes that's that's and ages. cool that, that's really yeah. cool what a cool example i'm like in knix.com and yeah, yeah. and I, I pulled it up it, you know one of the concerns i had though is like you know, why do the other brands do the thing? Like Victoria's Secret is just, oh, look at our, you know, size zero or whatever. Um, and they're thinking that everyone will look at that person. And same from men's side too, right? Look at this like stud Thor's hammer over here guy. Um, you want to be like him. So buy these, this underwear. I don't know if it works as well for men, but, um, uh, but it's like, do they lose, do they miss out on, that sort of like sex appeal or like that dream. I want to be that person if they put like a regular person in there. But then you, you mentioned the second point, which is the concern you'd have of like, am I even going to fit that? I'm not, they're not, those people aren't me. Am I really their customer? You know? And I think Nick's is saying to you and to other people like, no, 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 the, the actual woman, like actual real people, you're all, you know, not Photoshopped or anything. We, you, you will fit us. We fit you. You know, that that's cool. I really like that. Yeah. And it's like, I have so much to say on the subject of like doing things because you've always done them the same way mm. or because it's easier. Like, I think every company I've ever worked for, every, like every company ever, basically like the tempting thing is like, follow the playbook, do things the way they've always been done. Like shoot for the short-term strategies where we're going to hit our numbers instead of like investing in long-term strategies that are harder. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of, a lot of brands that just do the status quo because like they know 
what the results can be expected from and they like they they're reluctant to experiment they're reluctant to spend money on things that aren't guaranteed roi they're reluctant to do long-term strategies like content marketing because they're not going to get the revenue from day one right. it's going to be like three six nine months down the line you know they're going to do the photo shoots with the models because that's how all the big successful brands do it um, they're worried that they're going to alienate like the influencers or the really rich mm. people that are the target. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't just use real people, but no, it's a good question. Um, but it's harder. Like it's, it's hard to put your money where your mouth is. And most people right. want to pay lip service without actually doing the real work. So that's why it's such a missed opportunity because like there's so few brands that actually stand out. And now that everybody's got their Shopify and everyone's going online, even though they're brick and mortar before all this happened, like it's more crucial than ever that you stand for something that's real, that you actually put the work into like aligning with your customers and actually have stand for something. Right. And so I know every customer like target now is like, Oh yeah, millennials and they shop their values and like, people are trying to capitalize on all these reports that are coming out about like why people buy when they're like, the 30 to 40 bracket and it's like okay you can't just like surface level try to benefit from that like unless mm -hmm. you actually commit like people are not stupid we all grew up right. in the digital realms like at least you know i was an 80s kid so like i grew up on the internet like i yeah. can smell your bullshit part from being, a mile like, away part of it right did yeah. you always have it did you always have uh it? no i got my first aol cd when i was 13 and right. i put it into so you had my, that like, time where you were like yeah. not wired into i was world. a free range roamer of my outdoor neighborhood and had right. real like friends that i lived next door to and right. yeah and then and then it all changed yeah right <laughs> and you were around for like having to pay hourly for internet and stuff like that oh yeah dial up chat rooms Did you ever Actually, get in trouble at home of like they get the aol bill and they're like what the hell <laughs> how did we spend sixty dollars on the internet this month it was supposed to be 20 bucks like sorry. it was always a bargaining thing it was like i'll do my homework if i can have you know x amount of time with my friends Smart. on the forums and <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> like people hearing that now be like what <laughs> No, it's like, mom, no, like, I'll come up for dinner after I change my AIM message. Jesus. <laughs> I got to put my away on. Come on. Yeah, I got to be clever. One second. <laughs> People will think I'm ignoring them and they'll, they'll ban me and they'll warn me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Those Crazy. were the days. You know, you, you mentioned the, the short-term gains. And I think, I wonder if that's even something that KY was thinking like, okay, short-term gain, let's just sell a bunch of shit, you know, and then don't worry about the long-term impact on our brand. And then as you were describing that, my brain just sort of like went to like Dove because I know they've done some commercials in the past where it's like real people, kind of like Nick's it sounds like, yep. where it's like real women. And you're like, yeah, that's cool. But then when I, when I Google searched it to try to find it, um, it popped up this sort of Dove puts a new face on real beauty and a salute to health workers. And it's just like, and they show pictures of health workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had that same kind of thing where I was like, ah, oh, you know. I don't, my question to you is, can you do anything now that ties into that? Or are you just pandering? You are pandering, but okay. You know? So this is the thing is like, okay, you can have social impact as part of your mission and do it the right way, which I think is like quietly go about supporting the cause. And if people mm -hmm. find out about it or buy into it, cool but it can't be like the thing. Like it cannot 
feel like you're selling the same thing as everyone else, except you are like, oh yeah, we stand for X. So what's really interesting is there is this whole Everlane backlash because they like were touted as like, they're so sustainable and they're so transparent and their pricing is so upfront and everything. And then it blew up in their face because they, um, they were like accused of union busting and like not treating their employees well. And like Bernie Sanders tweeted at them and was like, this is not the way, you know, a big business like yours should be conducting themselves essentially. Um, And so like they had been bragging about how profitable they were for years um, because they were just like this big success story in the B2C space. And then they turned around and were like, oh yeah, we had to lay off a bunch of workers because we're not profitable. And it's like, well, which one was it? Mm. Okay. So that's really suspicious. Like, okay, were you just lying about making profits or are you like, like what is what is the actual like you're not being transparent like there's something a little bit off about this whole situation so like the problem is they set themselves up so high for being transparent that now the fall from that is like so much worse than if they had not claimed to be this like upstanding right you know company where they were like their mission and their values were so strong and so it's like you can't just have your mission that's like socially impactful be the only thing because if you don't actually commit to it you know, people are going to know. And I think the better way to do it is like, it has to be part of your DNA. It has to be part of your, the reason you create the company. And so I have a really good example, actually. So there's a company um, that's Toronto based called Nudnik. So it's N-U-D-N-I-K. And like, it's these two women who are sisters and their father was in waste management. So they spent like decades of their lives in waste management as well. And they kept seeing like these fast fashion brands where like everything ends up in a landfill and how bad for the environment that is and they're like let's start a company where like our clothes are made from recycled products and they're like they're fashionable and they're they're fun to wear and they're for children but they're also not taking resources from the planet and they're actually like helping the environment and and trying to kind of build this sustainable model and so like the reason that works is like they actually care about that mission and they've seen the impact for firsthand and it's not all they talk about when they market either it's one thing they talk about but there's like other components to their marketing and so like i could shop from there because i care about what they care about but i could also shop from there because their clothes are actually really great or like it's not just one thing and it's not just lip service like i can tell they actually are really passionate and it's in their ethos it's not just a thing that they're saying to sell products oh that's cool yeah and i googled it you're right they got these t-shirts that are made from the different fabrics that other people would just chuck and it's yep. part, it, to your point it's part of their dna it's so true um i was just reading uh about crocs apparently they donated like it was an email here um ten thousand clogs to healthcare workers which is awesome but then i also read that they paid an indian actress to to tweet about it, to chat about it so it's like is is that okay? Like, can't you just do the good thing? Right? <laughs> like, if you really care about doing the good thing, just do the good thing and don't, like, brag about it. Like, right. that's the problem. That is the problem in a nutshell. Is like, you're just doing the thing for the recognition of the thing, not because you actually believe you're doing the right thing or because you want to help. Or, like, maybe you're hoping, I don't know, it's probably all PR. It's probably, like, guys at KY Canada were like, let's have a women's day. And they like threw it on their marketing team who had to like hustle to get something out there. Cause someone decided it was a good idea and like, they thought it would be good PR. And then same thing with this, like Crocs is probably like, yeah, let's like get viral with our donation mm-hmm. campaign and like use in 
influencers to push it. And so like, maybe they did it out of the goodness of their heart and then it went south, or maybe they right. just were trying to be strategic all along, but like people are not stupid. So right. like, we know <laughs> that this is right. what you're trying to do. And like, if you're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart, don't pretend that that's what you're doing then, you know, like, right. I don't right. know. Yeah. I'd like, but if, if they only had said like, okay, are there any influences out there? If you will share this, um, we will donate a thousand more Crocs in your name. You yeah. Know? Like, Hell there you yeah. Go. I get, yeah. I'll do Own that. It. Own it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And then that, that influencer might be a little self-promoting by doing it, but that's okay because they're helping people too. And then Crocs gets away clean and free because all they're doing is just trying to help people out. But when you start paying for attention on that, you're like, mm, just disappointing. I don't know. It just feels a little weird, icky. Yeah, agreed. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. What do you think the future holds for marketing, for humanity? <laughs> uh that's a really big question start with marketing <laughs> um, yeah so i mean it's really funny everyone's had to sit hold on it's really funny everyone's had to hit the reset button like everyone who was planning for 2020 everyone who had a q1 yeah. plan anyone who had a q2 q3 q4 plan it's out like the door. Yeah. out the door everyone's kind of scrambling I don't think we can necessarily even forecast right now. And I think we have to be okay. Like you can have a plan or a strategy, yeah. but everyone's pivoting so quickly that it's really hard to know what to focus on or anticipate. Yeah. I will say, you know, from reading, I try to stay away from thought influencers and leaders and like, I don't. You try to stay worship. away from them? Yeah. Like I don't worship at the altar of any one personality i know that's like a big thing is everyone reads the same five books or they read the same five blogs or listen to the same five podcasts and i try not to do that we all I get don't the same email the, <laughs> we all get the same no but it's like this hive mind in business in startups in tech in marketing in sales like it's like these everyone listens to the same people and quotes the things at each other and it's like it's exhausting to it try is. to keep up with. And so like, I try not to read trends pieces or forecasts. Cause I'm like, it's all the same garbage every year. Everyone's like, it's the year for video this year. And then it's like, okay. Or, you know, SEO is dead. No, it's not like Facebook advertising is dead. No, it's not like SEO is dead. No, it's not like, <laughs> it's just so I like, so I can't, I can't really speak to that. I have sort of from the things that I've been sitting in on where it's virtual conversations, which I enjoy a lot more, like community is going to be like, I already think it's like the unsung hero of a lot of building the right brands and, and companies. So I think it will hopefully have its day in the sun where it's respected the way it should be. I think again, like people do things cause they think they are supposed to, I'm going to launch a blog cause I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm mm -hmm. going to like, have a community because everyone says it's good for me like I should right. but they launch without a plan and they don't stick to it and they don't see it out long enough for it to prove value and they have their metrics all wrong and it's like all right like I want page views on my blog okay page views fine but like what's your bounce rate like are people actually reading are they actually scrolling down like it should really be time on page that you're looking at if you're really caring about engagement and then in terms of like did someone click on the next thing well are you giving them enough value to click on the next thing like if your ultimate goal is sign up for my free trial 
do you are you actually giving them good valuable engaging content or are you just giving them search engine optimized garbage right like right. like don't have a blog if you're not actually going to be useful with it and then on the yeah. on the community side the community side is like all right i've like made this big beautiful forum or channel for people that are customers or prospects to talk to each other and i've got a moderator like what are you giving them what is the purpose of this like are you trying to get them to talk to each other are you trying to get them to like engage with you are you building programming exclusive to this community like what value are you offering but the problem with all that is like okay i put in the work for that if all you want out of this community is new customers or referrals people again are not stupid they can see that a mile away so it's like i've gathered you here out of the goodness of my heart but could you please just like give me your business and it's like if you do it well if you do it without that agenda if you just do it to like help people they will love you and they will talk about you organically but no mm -hmm. one gives it the time to do that it's all like what is my roi from the time or the money i'm spending building this and so again like it's so hard to do the right thing and i totally get it but if all you care about is the dollars attached to this feel good thing you're doing like i can't help you seriously yeah it, it it's it, you can perceive it it just eeps eeps out it seeps out um there's a couple things you you just sort of bunch of mic drop moments um and i was like oh we could we could clip that and use that on social but then i was like oh but then my dumb self chimed in and was like oh yeah <laughs> but um like don't have a blog if you're not going to be useful with it that's that's so true like in your whole point about people just doing things because it's on their marketing checklist or or their competitors are doing it, but they may be wasting all of their time on a blog, and especially if you're not tracking it, you don't have you know marketing automation set up or something where you can you can see, is this leading to sales? Is this actually helping people? To your point, hey, I've got a thousand hits, but they immediately bounce off that page because that is not the droids they're looking for. They don't want this article. Like, okay, you can spend a lot of time writing an article on LinkedIn and have like 14 people read it, you know? There's, and if it's bad, no one else is going to read it. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I was talking to a friend about her website and what's great is like, I've worked at a website company and I've also worked at a website optimization company. Oh, so yeah. I was sort of doing an analysis of her homepage and her services pages. Cause she's a consultant. And one thing she asked me is she's like, do I need a blog? And I said, okay, well, like, what is the purpose of this blog? How often, what, how much time would you have to populate it with content? And she was like, well, you know, I, I kind of would do it in fits and starts when I was inspired or, and I said, listen, like if you're going to commit to having a blog, you need to have a strategy around what you're talking about, how often you're going to publish. It's worse to have a blog that you launch where you, it looks like a ghost town than like not having a blog at all. So if you are not going to commit the time that this takes to build, like, just don't do it. Like I would rather, like, there's so many blogs out there. So just, yeah. if it's not going to be a standout blog where you're actually really putting a lot of time and effort into it, just don't do it. Like, yeah. and it's great. I mean, she's got LinkedIn that she, she puts content on. She's got a Facebook group. Like it's, she's doing the other things that she cares about that she's devoting time to. So it's like, don't just slather on another thing just to say you have it. I think this is something I see a lot with social media. Mm. Like every new shiny channel like TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, people are like, Oh yes, my brand must be on this. And like now they're on eight channels and they're like doing a little bit on each one or they're like creating things and then dropping them. And then if you go to their footer, it's like you click on their Pinterest or their Google Plus group or whatever from 
past shiny things and it's like they're not even active anymore so like why even have that on their, your site at that point right. so it's like pick two or three things and do them really well and don't think like you have to be on everything because first of all that's exhausting second of all you're not going to be good at every channel third of all like not your audience isn't on every channel either so like figure out where your audience is and commit to those channels and like really specialize because it's not worth your time to just create things because you think you should right totally it, and you hop on those, especially in social, like it's in your face. So you could be bad at your blog and uh, so true. You get to a site and it's like, oh, you haven't blogged for six months. Is this company still even open? Um, yeah. Yeah. You have, now you're stuck. You have to do something. And, and if you just sort of half-ass it and you, you know, send a little easy thing in there, there and they look at it and they realize how cheesy and lame you are, then that doesn't help either. But now you're required to continue to do that um so that's that's stressful and then on the social side man getting into one of those platforms and you don't know about it and you're just kind of tipping tiptoeing in there to try to sell more on instagram or something it's just uh it, it everyone's gonna know you're like the weirdo who doesn't get that channel and what's what's up with that right your point don't go randomly make a tiktok channel no, it's like, how are you doing, fellow kids? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Hello, hello. Want to buy my product? Oh my <laughs> <No>? god! <laughs> Weird. Um, <laughs> so crazy. Are you on TikTok? No. Do you have you have you ever been on TikTok? I have, have you seen it. I've been shown many a TikTok video, but <laughs> You've been I shown have them. not. Hey, hey, look at this, <laughs> right? So here's the thing. Like, I used to do vine uh, so vine is old. like the six second yeah. right yeah, i am last, yes i'm last, old last year um so yeah. no vine was like what 2010 yeah last five? year i don't know a long time ago um but yeah. like i did i did vine so i've done done the short form like cut away yeah creative kind of thing and then honestly like I I'm so tired like I can't try every channel like I just it's not possible to keep up and if I have the free time and the energy I will create a TikTok talk account and play around with it but like yeah. I don't have the time and again I don't have to be I feel like marketers feel like they have to be good at everything and like mm. I don't unless I have a client that wants me to TikTok for them then yes like I will learn it but I I have the curio I have the intellectual curiosity to want to play around with it, but I don't have the energy or time right now to like adopt another channel. It's enough to try to keep up with all the updates to Instagram, all the updates to everything else. Like it's funny, like my mother uses WhatsApp a lot. Really? And she'll WhatsApp me. Well, she's South American, so like WhatsApp is really big in her oh, family for yeah, them to yeah. connect with each other and she'll send me these messages and get mad when I don't respond and I'm like mom I'm checking my email my twitter my linkedin my like everything like I have like seven channels and like yeah. I can't keep checking whatsapp for you like just text me like I check my text you know like I I can't do another channel and it's like anytime anyone's like download house party download I'm like, okay, if enough of you scream at me that I have to try this, maybe I will. But like, it's so much work to check all these things all the time. It's just, it's too much. Totally, totally. You know, I remember being at, um, I think it was like, it was like a church group and we were all just kind of, none of us hung, hung out afterwards. So I was like, hey, we should have a Facebook page. We get to know different parents. Our kids are all in the same CCD class or whatever. We should have a Facebook page. And then someone was like, oh yeah, 
we're gonna we're all gonna get the insert random church app that unites random communities oh, and, like, wow. and i was like oh i'm not i'm not no. gonna use that no one's gonna use that you know like yeah no, i just i just knew it was doomed i was like okay never mind you know if it was on a platform i'm already on now we're talking but no some random I'm, I'm gonna get some other app and then check in on that to see how my friends are it's not gonna happen um you're right like just another platform and you know it sounds like you got your vine perfected only to have them be like yep we're not doing this anymore it's like my MySpace on my vines. yeah right <laughs> i know my live journal like all the time i put it into live i mean journal. it's still around like it's i can still go in down that black hole of like emo things i was listening to in college yeah. um and the interesting thing too is like there's even subsections now like slack all right slack is a channel that I check regularly, I have literally 22 Slack channels that I'm part of, like oh, groups. Shit. So you like, win. I'm not active on all of them. I'm like, but like six or something, seven maybe? It's yeah. like, a, it's, it's a, yeah, I could show you a screen. Like it's literally, and I'm not, like I don't check all of them all the time. I don't, I'm very active in maybe like three to five. But even that, like that's a sub, it's like checking five social media channels in yeah. one. So it's like, whenever I'm like on my phone, it's like, okay, check my email, check my Twitter, check my Instagram, check my LinkedIn, then go to Slack, and then some sections of Slack. Like, it is a job. Yeah, oh yeah. And I, I had um, two friends uh, invite me to just like a, a, a chat. So there's the three of us chatting, um, like directly on one of the Slack channels. And they got going when I was on like a podcast or something the other day. And I look and it says like 27 messages. So it's oh like, God. oh, that's their conversation that I'm, I guess, a part of. And uh, it's like, oh, let's go catch up on, but I'm not going to catch up on that. And I could see how, see, I, now I understand why you, you closed your Slack down or at least you yeah. put it on mute because if that's blowing you up during a podcast, you'd be like, hold on a second. I've got some Slack to reply to here. Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting because now we're in this space. We're actually for the first time in my, like, in my experience in this digital age, like, we have the capacity to stop and slow down. Like, we could mm. literally, like, we're not going into our offices, we're not traveling. Like, this is the biggest opportunity I've ever seen to digitally detox and turn your phone off, turn your laptop off, just read a book, like, go outside for fresh air, like, connect with the people you live with, re like, just, like, be present. And I feel like everyone's just going batshit instead trying to consume so much content and like follow the news and like just like like and it's like this zoom burnout now where everyone's like so saturated with video and talking and paying attention and just yeah. like reacting and not giving them the space to feel the way they're feeling whether they're stressed or angry or anxious yeah. or you know like it's like this whole like this is the biggest opportunity i've seen to actually like turn it off for yeah even just a half day or a day and actually i did a um there's an event called Fireside Conference where it's literally you go into the woods and they don't take your phone away. There's just no signal. So you don't nice. have your phone. And yeah, some people are like, I'm oh my gosh, it was, yeah. yeah, it's like adult summer camp. So you're like in a cabin and there's fires every night and people just chatting and singing and like, like there are keynotes and it's just like so cool. And at first it felt weird because I everyone's got this compulsive like need to check things all the time. Yeah. But it was like, I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it at all. I actually was dreading the point where the, my bus left the camp and like the cell phone reception started back. I was oh, like, no. fuck, like those little red chime things and the, <laughs> and the vibrating. I was like, fuck. And I'd forgotten to tell my mom I was doing it. So she'd actually tried to, she texted 
texted me like the day I left and then she called me the next day and it went to voicemail and then she like texted me again on Saturday. And I was like, you're dead. She thought I was dead. <laughs> I didn't respond in like two days. Like she was like convinced I had like died and she actually called my husband to make sure that I was okay. <laughs> Of course, I'm surprised. But it's just like, it's like, even if you don't push the pressure on yourself to respond to everything right away, like other people expect you to like email back within 24 hours or like respond to the text and like, they'll be like, where are you? Where are you? Like even strangers on LinkedIn will message me and they'll be like, Hey, Juliana. Like, I know they're trying to sell me something. I won't respond. They'll be like, hello, 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 hello. I don't owe you shit, dude. I've never met you before in my life. Like I wouldn't even have an SLA like that with my best friends. Like they understand my time and like, will let me have my space to respond to them when I can't. Like, this is crazy. Right. Wow. Just blowing you up. No, seriously. I want to know. Do you, do you want to buy? No, I don't. (laughs) Go away. I want to see if you got my message from a day ago. Oh, the one that I marked as spam. Did you get that thing I sent you? Oh, no, I did not. (laughs) No, I did not. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the little alerts though start popping up, and but yeah, I, I could see how just without that, as long as you got next time you tell your mom that you're gonna be away, but then other than that, you're just sort of more present, you know, more present in the moment. Not thinking about that, the email you should check, or oh, I wonder what, wonder if anyone's written, written me a note on Instagram. I'm gonna go check that. No, no one has. Okay, let me scroll for a moment. It's like no, be where are you at now? Is it comfortable? Is there bark and trees around you with a campfire? And- yeah s'mores like do it stay there it was so nice Ugh. well who are you can you, can you like like you have all this knowledge and wisdom you're a world traveler you speak so many different languages which we'll have to get into um who are you take us back to like little juliana days what's i up? was a giant geek and or juliana days. i shouldn't even say was <laughs> but ah, right i was like I was a library nerd. I would be one of those kids who would go in and talk to the librarian for like a half hour about like rolled doll and then leave with the maximum amount of books that I was allowed and take wow. them home and then devour them under the covers with my flashlight until one of my parents would yell at me. And there was one point in school where we were supposed to leave for recess and I was like sitting at my desk still finishing a chapter and my teacher was like, go outside now. And I was like, okay. Dang. But it's funny. I wasn't like, <laughs> an indoor kid like I played soccer I was active but like in my soul I just love the written word so like I just devoured authors and I was all about like stories Mm. and so it's really been like the core of who I am like I have so many books in my spare room and every time I've moved I've had like they're so heavy it's like yeah okay like I understand Kindle is a thing and now I could read electronically but there's something so satisfying about like physical books and you feel like more connected to what you're reading and it's just like so satisfying to turn a page it is um for sure and so what's really interesting is so I got my major in English and at the time everyone's like "Uh oh liberal arts like what are you gonna be a teacher going to publishing (laughs) and it was like dude no, like I don't have a plan. I've never had a plan, but like I know I love this. So I'm just going to study it and like immerse myself in Victorian literature. And there was this one class I took in the honors program that was like, it was called Figures of the In-Between Ghosts, Vampires, and Angels. And I thought that was like so fucking cool that I got to like read like Dracula and then analyze like the structure of it. And I don't know, it was just so neat. And and then lo and behold, okay, so like liberal arts major, haha, what are you going to do with that? Um, content marketing became a thing. 
and Hello. social media became a thing right. and the written word became so important and cool 100%. like now i have this amazing career that i accidentally stumbled upon because like people need content like they yeah. need blog posts they need tweets they need video they need things that communicate what they're trying to sell in a way that people resonate with and so yeah. i accidentally kind of built my career off of like being an editor at the school newspaper, being mm. a proofreader at a pharmaceutical journal, kind of behind the scenes stuff, but then sort of gradually working my way into like email marketing yeah. and then content marketing and then advertising marketing and then website marketing and then optimization <laughs> of websites and then like fintech marketing. So it's just sort of, I've never had a plan. I kind of just did what sounded cooler I, right. I could learn from and what's really interesting in retrospect. So like Sheryl Sandberg has this amazing quote, which mm. is like, not every career has to be a ladder. Sometimes it's a jungle gym. So in my I case, like, like I sort of jumped around from the monkey bars to the ball pit to whatever. And when I look back at it and I've been trying to explain my experience to people, especially recruiters, it's like, I accidentally became this generalist where I worked at a content marketing platform. I worked at an ad tech company. I worked at a like CRM company. So I understand the slices of marketing, yeah. email marketing, content marketing, like um, how to have a direct response campaign, how to retarget, how to all that. Just because I worked, I had to build content for companies that do these things. And in order to write as an expert on this subject matter that I had no expertise on, I actually had to do a ton of research, listen to a ton of people, talk to like network, like just get the sense of the lay of the land. And so every job I've had, I had no business marketing it because I had no idea what it was, but I right. had enough people <laughs> trust me as an intelligent human to figure it out. And so like, that's the great thing about startups, right? Like they'll yeah. give you a chance because they're not like the major players and they need scrappy people who can just throw themselves into things and figure it out as they go along. Yeah. Um, and so that's been the really cool thing things now my arsenal is crazy like I can do a little bit of everything but I also specialize in content um, yeah. and I also have the b2b background but I've had like I, it's in the service of b2c customers so I've got like that lens on it um, and what's great is I don't make assumptions the way I think a b2c marketer might where they're like oh yeah I've done this 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 and this to get this result so I'm going to keep doing this this and this to get the result like I don't have that assumption um, right. So it's kind of nice. Like I do, I am fascinated by B2C, but I have no, in no way, shape or form an expert on D2C marketing. Um, but it could be. So <laughs> right? yeah, it's just really, it's, it's a neat time to be a generalist. It's a neat time to be in marketing. I think it's a skill set that is always going to be valuable. I do think community is the future, um, but people need to do it the right way. Um, okay. That'll be the, the caveat. Um, and I think the world is, any person who's good at marketing's oyster like it's anything you want it to be like marketers are constantly evolving with their skill sets with their channels with their as things are created like we're like at the forefront of exploring and so it's like i think voice search will be huge um it's really early days but my friend works at um, voiceflow and they are a google partner and what they do is they optimize they help people optimize their content for like someone asking Siri for something. And so I really think that's going to be enormous and something that no one's really talking about, but give it a year or two. And I think anyone who's early adopting that tactic will see dividends. Yeah. There's also all these different things going on. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, 
what do you focus on, right? Sure. That's the key challenge in marketing. It's the key challenge in startups. Anything where you're like, I could do 30,000 things, like what are the five, you know? And I think everyone's got the shiny object syndrome where it's like, we should have a podcast. We should have a, we should be at events. We should have a billboard. We should advertise on the radio. We should, it's like, okay, how is this mapping to the goals we've all agreed on? How are we going to track yeah. the success of this? Like, is this more important than the other three things we said we were doing this quarter? Um, so yeah. I think that's like, that's a really big area where a lot of people struggle. For sure. And you said generalist, and I, I think you generally do have the experience across the board, but also that, that written word background, you know, the English. And I think, you know, how do you become good at writing? Maybe it's from reading. Maybe you just read yes. a lot. You know, and you've read a lot of good books, right? If you if you read a read a lot read a lot of bad books, maybe you get bad. If you read a lot of Instagram abbreviations, I don't know if that helps your game. But um, if you if you read you've read classics, you know the Jane Austens, the the different kinds of of people with different writing styles across the board, and learn about different ways to to you know if, when you've heard a scene described, you could just say it was fall, or you could say like you know, the leaves were on strike and their colors <laughs> were ruby and brilliant. Like, there's so many ways to do it. But once you've seen that, you're like, oh, okay, I enjoyed that more than just saying fall. How could I? So all that stuff, I think, is in there. And it just sort of comes out in the marketing. And you make compelling copy and copies everywhere, to your point, websites, emails, everything, social, it all has the written word. And if you just give it a little time, some practice and some reading, really reading good stuff, I, I, I see that's kind of like this foundational strength that you have. And then the fact that you're not afraid to just try out random things like retargeting means that you can then use those words in many different ways. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about what you just said is, one, I feel like people try to learn how to write from reading, which is not a bad way to go about it, but you really get better at writing by writing a lot. Like you oh, just have to start writing. So like, you can't just read about writing and expect that to like, oh, make like you read, like read, a good yeah, writer. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. So like just, someone, like, someone, yeah, no, like someone posted on LinkedIn. They're like, what are the best books to learn how to write better? And I was like, false, <laughs> <laughs> like just like, yes, read voraciously, but like not just books about writing. Like you want to talk, like you want to like a sub, section of like a bunch of different genres to understand different styles of communication, like short form, long form, thrillers, romance, like every, yeah. like get. And the problem is like the people who focus on the book part, like, I don't know, it goes back to like the worshiping at the altar of thought leaders, like everyone's reading the same 10 business books. So they're all like the same style of writing that they're absorbing. So everyone's going to sound the same. Yeah. I like, that's what I think is the downside there. And yeah, like just focusing on the reading and not actually the doing, which is like practicing writing. Like you're not going to get good at it at day one, day two. Again, it's like, you got to build the muscle right every day. Again, like write tweets, write blog posts, write eBooks, like long short, short short, like all of that stuff, just like mm -hmm. do it. And I know like, that's the hard part. Again, like you got to put in the work, like you're not going to be good at podcasting overnight. So like yeah. practice it and then it'll get better. Um, and yeah, everyone's just looking for the shortcuts and the magic bullets and the hacks. Mm. And like, they don't want to put in the effort or like they just are daunted by the process, but that's how you get good at things. Like I didn't, I was never naturally good at networking. Like it's my superpower now, but I was afraid to make phone calls to people when I was 11 and I made my Ooh. mom call my friends to set up like play dates. So like I've gotten good at it by putting myself in 
situations where I walk into a room of strangers and they all seem to be friends with each other. And I'm like, hi, do you mind if I join you? And then that's how I met my best friends in marketing. Like it just, you got to just do what's uncomfortable or hard. So, so for other people in that situation, what do you do? You just sign up for some networking events and just did it. Even though you're like, this is going to suck. I'm going to hate this. You just went and then. Yeah, I actually so gave a 10 minute talk on networking and one oh, of my really? things is, yeah, it's on my LinkedIn. So I took this speaker boot camp because again, I'm not good at public speaking. I talk too fast. I'm Italian. I gesture a lot with my hands. I get very excitable. So I was like, okay, I'm not good at this. I'm not going to let that stop me from trying it or getting better at it. So I took this three day training uh, camp called Shine and they had hmm. it in Toronto um, last fall. And my talk um, was on networking because they have you ask your friends what you're good at and that way you're not making assumptions about what your topic should be. So I assumed everyone would say content marketing, but all of them said networking. And I was like, wow. okay, I guess like that's the best thing that I should be talking about. Um, and so it was basically like the, the points at which you will stop trying to network is like you go to work and you're exhausted and you come home so like, don't even let yourself come home, go straight from work because or else if you sit on your couch, it's game over. Don't let yourself get dissuaded because of stupid things like it's raining, like sure, but you're not made out of sugar. You're not going to dissolve, like get an umbrella, <laughs> right. like, like man up or bat, <laughs> badge stupid. up or whatever, just go. Right. And then like you get to it, let's say you bring a friend as a crutch, then you're just talking to the friend all night, fail. Yeah. Like you go, but you don't talk to anyone. You sit at the food table, you drink a beer, you leave, fail. Like talk mm -hmm. to one person. And like, I do have a hack for this. If you're like super shy, like talk to the event organizer and say, hey, this is my first time. I'm shy. Like, can you introduce me to someone who's a regular at these things or tell them what you're looking for, or like what you want to get out of it and then have them facilitate something. So it's a warm intro and you're not just like walking into a group of strangers. Cause I know that's scary. It's not easy to me. There are some nights where I go and I've been doing this a decade and I'm like, I don't feel like being here. Yeah. If you don't feel like being there and you really aren't going to put in the time, then don't bother. But if you are going to actually show up, then show up, like actually yeah. talk to at least one person. Don't feel like you have to canvas the room. It's better to have one real conversation than 10 surface level ones. I was at one event where like this guy literally infiltrated a circle I was standing in, handed out his business cards and then left. And I was like, we all know those what people. the fuck? man like that is not networking that is like why networking gets a bad name um i, I was wondering then, if you to bring that up because like i've experienced yeah. the exact same thing where oh you got God, like so hey good. guys hey guys my name is whatever and it's like here's no. I, I don't know what his name is because it's I like didn't a remember. human billboard like yeah. no go away i like i'm not giving you my time um if you're not gonna give me your time at all um sure. so it's like go like just go mm -hmm. talk to one person and then follow up because like I've also had conversations where it like went really well and I was like great this is a real connection we've made like can't wait to stay in touch with this person and like nothing afterwards like nothing and like if I meet someone and I connect with them I will send them a LinkedIn with a message saying where we met what we talked about Cute. if for any actions where I was like I'll introduce you to someone or you can I'll send you this link to the slack group or like here's this job board or whatever the follow-up is just so like I don't forget I have a terrible memory and what will happen if I don't do that is two three months down the line I'll see them at something else and they'll be like hey Juliana and I'm like hey you fuck and hey. then I like have to look up the LinkedIn and I'm like oh yeah we met at you know collision conference and like your mom was blah, blah, blah. and like 
at least I have that trail right. and, and like, I've got the like next steps written out for myself. So I don't drop the ball. And it's like, if you've done all the rest of the stuff, but you don't follow up, you don't say thank you for their time. You don't like, it's like, why did you even go? So right. I think there are like these two, like what you were saying about the checkout process and D to C it's like, there are all these micro things that you have to do and I feel like people will like halfway do it and then be like why isn't it working and it's like okay uh, where to begin crazy that's a that's a powerful tip so we'll have to link to your your talk on that because everything you're saying is like super you learn from experience you learn that and it's kind of funny because I can relate to thinking like oh I'm not either not good at this or like some, some part of me wants to just sort of analyze and be like no, I don't want to talk to anybody. But then I just need to be like, just do it. And you're like, actually, I'm having a blast. I need to do this more. Um, and I remember being in Boston and going to these events like you're describing. And I think I would be like Red Bull and vodka. Okay, now I can talk to people. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it it doesn't even matter. Just go and, and talk. And then eventually some personality test was like this is like you said like this is your superpower you like to talk to people and meet them I was like I, I do let me go do more of that but it just took a little bit of courage to kind of get yourself into it but yeah so true on not keeping score um I remember just even like oh how many cards do you have in your hand how many how many good what's the ROI on that event don't even You're worry doing about it wrong. like if if I've met one person and we just hang out the whole time as long as they're cool with it too um and and you kind of feel like you made a friend there like that's way better than the other dude who met 80 people and doesn't remember any of them. And they certainly remember he's the tool and his card ends up in the trash, you know? Yeah. And it's honestly like, again, like, are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you trying to get oh, something yeah. out of it? Are you just trying to get a job from That's someone you've never met? Like I've gotten people who try to get me to make referrals, but I've never met them. So I'm not going to tell my recruiter at my company. Like that's me. That's like, that's my word that this person is going to be a good fit when I don't even know who they are. Um, and like people just want to go in, get what they came out for and like leave. And that is not, it's not a short game. Again, it's mm. like, you have to put in the work. This is like years of follow up. Right. So like, and you can't do it because you want something like you should really be leading with what you can offer the person you're talking to, because then you're building the right rapport and you're not asking out of nowhere for a favor when they like, they just met you. And so I think like one of my favorite stories is, so in 2016, I was at HubSpot's inbound conference. There was an after party at Wistia's HQ. They're like a video hosting platform in Boston. And I met this woman there who um, is from Vancouver and she was working at Unbounce at the time. So we were, and we hit it off. We were just like chatting all night. She was great. Um, she had to go back to Canada after the conference. And so we stayed in touch on Twitter and we were just like sharing each other's stuff and commenting and just like DMing sometimes, which is great. Um, so 2016, fast forward to last year, I moved to Canada um, and I announced it on Twitter because that's, I tell everybody everything that's going on in my life on Twitter. <laughs> nice. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're in Canada now. Holy shit. Like we should reconnect. Like I would love to catch up with you. So we had a video chat. And so this is like 2019. So three years later from meeting her and she's telling me all about her work and like all the stuff she's doing. And I'm telling her about like my whole journey with the move and being like settling in Toronto. And she's like, I don't know if you're looking for a job now that you're in Canada, but my friend works at Clearbit 
going and heads, heads their growth team. Like, do you want to talk to him? Wow. And I was like, yeah, like I've, I've never heard of Clear, Clearbank. Like didn't know the tech scene in Toronto, but I, you know, I'm always open to talking to cool people. So we had a phone call. It went super well. We totally hit it off. He's like, do you want to come in for an interview? Like we don't have a job description really, but like just talk to some people. So I talked to their partnerships lead and their product lead and a yeah. bunch of other people that went really well he was like all right like love your background think you could do a lot here like here are three roles i'm thinking for you which one do you like most i said wow. this one so that i was headed up marketing services got the offer um but it's like if i hadn't chatted with steph at an after party not even the conference like an after party if i hadn't taken the extra step of like going to the after party putting myself out there to talk to her, right. staying connected on Twitter, like having that video chat, like telling her I might be looking for jobs. She thought of me when this opportunity came along. Um, like, and I didn't do it to get a job. Like I did right. not, like, it was just right. like a nice side effect. It's the same thing with the community. Like don't do it to get dollars, but like it, that is the benefit. That's why everyone says it's so important. Cause like it does pay dividends. You just mm -hmm. can't go into it for that like it's right. like such a long game and it's like actual genuine relationships and yeah so many people that i've met professionally that are now like my actual friends right so like that is it it is so worth it you just can't do it with the wrong reason yeah the the intention of it that shows through kind of like the ads we we're talking about a while ago the idea of if you're the networker and i've even seen really good networkers but the problem is they're so good at it but they're trying to get business out of it. And it just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it just, it comes across a little bit, a little bit weird. Cause you're like, Oh, you're just doing this to nurture me as opposed to, so I come at it. I just want to be friends with these people, you know, and yeah. whether they want to or not, I'm like, I just want to be friends and then we'll figure out the whole business thing later. Let's just go have beers yeah. at inbound or whatever, and then see what happens. Do you remember who the concert was that year? Uh, that's the only way I keep track. Might of have been like Janelle Monet or something. Oh, okay, okay. I was I was there for like the One Republic year. I don't know when uh. they came on year, but yeah, that's how I keep track of Dreamforce too. Like, who was the band? Metallica. <laughs> oh yeah, which year? Metallica. That year. Oh, okay. That's um, really funny. That's cool though. Wistia as well. The cool group. Love all those guys. Um, Cambridge. Yeah, if you're going to talk about like brands that do their marketing well and like add value and have such a strong loyal following, like yeah. Wistia is definitely up there. Like it's so interesting cuz like they will like if your customers love you, they will market for you anytime there's right. a tweet or a, something where someone's like, "Hey, what tool should I use?" like your rabid fans will be like, "You have to use Wistia, man. They're so amazing." Yeah. And then like and it's not even just like this person's word, which you're probably going to take over like someone selling themselves. Right. But it's like, they have the content to back it up. So if someone's like, Oh, Wistia. And I'm like, I've never heard of them before. And I click through and they've got this giant library of amazing content about like mm -hmm. everything to do with video, like not even things they offer, but like the things that are tangential, like creative direction or like audio or like what tools to use or like all of it. It's so personal and valuable and like actionable and, yeah. and like they have clear instructions and like they are so creative and they have such fun with what they do and it's like you just want to be part of it and like that's yeah. like being authentic being helpful like that is again really hard to get well 
like, but that's what you get. Like the benefit is like this beautiful halo effect of everyone wanting to be part of your ecosystem and wanting to share the word yeah. of what you're doing. And so like, I just think it's so hard to, to stay focused on the stuff that really matters when there's so many metrics and, and expectations, especially if you take, you know, venture capital or you've got pressure of like the hockey stick and like everything's bottom line. But if you can manage to <laughs> clear yourself from all that pressure, like that's really when you get the space to do the good stuff. Yeah. You may not be able to measure it right away. You know, like in, if your brand can have a story, you got, when you went to that party, that's how you met. Like for me, um, my friend Kristen used to work there in marketing and, and she actually um, brought um, like her video rock star down to a company retreat we we're having for my company. We were down in Charleston, running a cool beach house. They flew in, brought like a, a, the white backdrop and all their camera gear. And they helped us film like a, hi, this is our company. It's on our website now. It's like, hi, I'm Casey. Hi, I'm Carlos. Right. They helped uh -huh. us film a video and they talked to us about how to do it, how to write the script for it. And everything they didn't charge it for that we were just partners and we we're just helping each other out and but what a story and, and now we have that video forever and we hosted on wistia so it's like yeah it, it's if you can be those kind of things will stick around forever you know just like the bad stuff will too but but also the good stuff you just those are stories that people keep telling yeah and honestly like i had the same experience like i was part of the founding group that um, like we have an organization in Boston called Boston content and it was like, mm. as content marketing became a thing that you could specialize in, everyone's like, what does this career path look like? What should I be paid? Like, what's my next move? Like, how do I become like a team lead instead of an individual contributor? What are the tools that I have to learn how to use? Right. What are the metrics? All that. So we started this informal meetup group and then it became bigger and bigger and bigger. So we ended up having like this annual bash where we had 200 people show up. Um, wow. to like celebrate the end of the year um, and Wistia brought a booth and they filmed a bunch of Hell things yeah. and like gave us a video that was like really beautiful like people coming in front of the camera to talk about like different things about content marketing and it was like yeah they just I don't think we paid them for it I think they and just were being up. awesome but it's like that's what that's what matters like now we're talking about it like years yeah. later um so it really yeah it's just yeah. doing the things that are great because they're great and if it pays out, awesome. If it doesn't, karma, I believe in karma. So I don't know. <laughs> well, even as a brand, brands have karma, you know, like what you put out there, you're going to get back, um, especially during the crazy times. I think it's doubled during crazy times. So if you do crazy marketing now, it, it, it could cost you twice as much. So warning. <laughs> hey, question. Um, if you could go back in a time machine, because I actually may or may not have a time machine in New Hampshire. <laughs> um, if you could go back in time and visit yourself like at the beginning of your marketing career or just beginning of your career like you just got your english degree you're like okay world i'm here if you could talk to yourself then would you tell yourself anything what would you what kind of advice would you give yourself um i would say on the fluffy side like don't beat yourself up for not having a plan and no one cares if you hop around from job to job mm. because I think when I was starting out with my career it was still one of those legacy things where my parents had both worked for the federal government for like their entire lives and it was very frowned upon to move around um, but sure. as my career has progressed like I've only had one recruiter in my entire career that's batted an eyelash at how many jobs I've had um, yeah. it's viewed as a strength to have worked in many different environments and sizes of companies and different verticals and 
it's been a huge benefit by accident. Um, so I'd say like, don't be afraid to leave a situation where you're not happy or you don't believe in the product or leadership doesn't value your time. Um, I know it's really easy. Like the same way I would tell any friend who's dating a loser, I'd be like, yeah, there. <laughs> like, but it's right. easier to give that advice. Like when you're on the flip side, it's really hard to see clearly. Um, and yeah. so, but it's like, if you're miserable, like, and you're talented, like, there are other companies or you could just start your own thing. Um, Whether it's like a significant other or a company, it's not that bad. It's not a good, that's not good. Life's too short. Yeah. I'm a marketing manager and it's not that bad, but like, no, go find good, go find amazing, you know? Right. And I think all night. That's tough advice to follow now because obviously everyone's oh, like right now, you know, like no, they need to stay where you're at right and, now. Yeah, stay <laughs> where you're at right now. But future self would tell my my baby self, like you know, don't beat yourself up about trying out a lot of different things. And yeah, I mean, it's again been an accidental benefit because honestly, like another one of my pet peeves is like companies don't reward loyalty. Like employees mm. who stay, like don't get the paychecks that people who don't stay get. And it's like every year that you stay and you get your 5% raise or even not even that, like you're not getting paid market value anymore. And anyone who comes into your company from outside is probably making more than you are, which is fucked up considering you probably know way more about the customer and the product. Um, Companies don't always recognize when you come in. It's crazy. Um, so it's like actually been to my benefit, like financially to hop around and leverage my negotiation skills. The other non-fluffy thing I would tell myself. Okay, non-fluffy. Em- yeah, non-fluffy. Get an employment lawyer to check every employment contract and separation agreement because I have like royally fucked myself over by not doing that in several scenarios. Well, I guess if you're, if you are hopping around, you got to be clear about what those separation agreements mean that's a good point just have have well, some and the contracts right yeah people are signing like these non-compete agreements they're signing like i don't get my stock options if i don't vest so like if someone lets you go with that like you you didn't get the salary you got the stock options which are worth nothing because you weren't there a year like that is a very precarious shitty scenario to put yourself yes. in so like it is worth paying someone 300 to 400 dollars to win you back tens to twenties to thousands of dollars like down the line and so i think yeah. people are afraid of lawyers or they don't think they need one or it's it's so worth it and then yeah. same thing with separation agreements there's like non-disparagement clauses that can really mess you up like there are all these strings attached to like how you get your severance so talk to a professional i would say the same thing for anyone launching their business like get an accountant that's professional like right. like yes you can hack things yes you can google everything but like do you want to learn things the hard way right. or do you just want someone who knows how to steer you in the right direction? Yeah. And you know what? And for some of the attorneys too, they'll just chat with you Yeah, you know, half an hour. You're like, here's my crazy thing. And they're like, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. Go away. But at least you know, yeah. or actually there's something here or there isn't, or just a little bit like it's worth it. Just peace of mind. Well, I can't really do anything about this situation or I can, but now, you know, you don't have to wonder about it. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm talking to a professional tomorrow because I'm like, I've never done consulting before. Like, how do I even structure myself? Am I a sole proprietor? Am I a, do I incorporate me? Like, what is the tax bracket? How do I even? Yeah, and Canada. (laughs) Yeah. And then if I have US-based clients, what does that mean? I, meh. (laughs) Yeah, better to ask someone than than find out. I'm not going to blow the money. Now you owe us 10 grand. 
because oh, fuck. right that would be wild well this this is this is crazy this is awesome we've just chatted forever um you know i i guess where can people connect with you is my next question i mean there's like there's so many things we could talk about but we should just like where do people find you where can they connect yeah um i'm super active on twitter as i mentioned my handle is attack of the text and i am on it all the time um i am also pretty active on linkedin uh if you do try to connect with me please send me a message telling me why because <laughs> i that's one of my pet peeves too is like why are you connecting with me because my number one suspicion will be like what are you trying to sell me so please just say heard you on the KC podcast and I'm not trying to sell you anything and then talk about yourself if you want. But like, that's what I need to know from you for me to say, accept. Um, and then where else? Yeah. Those are the two, okay. the two major ones. I'm like, I feel like Facebook is for my friends and family and yeah. Yeah. No, like Slack is, so open. yeah. 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 Oh, Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram. Actually, I've been doing a lot of explorations of my neighborhood and oh, trying really? to like play human frogger while I'm doing so. Um, trying to like <laughs> avoid people. Um, but what's really cool is Toronto has all these back alleys with amazing graffiti. Like these murals and artists are like kidding? just, I can't even like, so every few days I've posted four to five to six photos of really amazing art that I've seen within like wow. a 15 minute radius of my apartment. What's your and thing so, on Instagram? Um, it's at Jules, J-U-I-L-Z. So feel like free to see my... Is that like your, your AIM screen name? No, my AIM screen name was Rose Meadow. Really? <laughs> Roses do not grow in meadows, but that's fine. But just, just, there you go. Maybe there's something, maybe it means something. I don't know. Um, I just was trying to be clever, I guess. Attack of the Text was like, I joined Twitter late in the game. It was like 2011. And everything I thought of was taken. And I kept hitting mm. this wall where I started combining like verbs with nouns. Like it's like Matchbox 20 or like uh, Rune 5. And I was like, short giraffe, like blah, blah. Oh, right. And I was like, this is stupid. And I don't align myself with short giraffes. So like, why am I picking this? And then I was like, thinking about this Lauren Hill song called Attack of the X. And I was like, I want something English majory. So I was like, Attack of the Text, like copy. And that yeah. it was long, but it's, it was available. And then it's funny because like now I feel like everyone's handles are like their names, but whatever, I've stuck to it. <laughs> right. Well, as long as you stick to it, then it, then it, it looks like you meant to do it, you know? Oh yeah, totally. I've just yeah. marched to my own drum. That's it. That's it. Um, well, Juliana, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on here. I mean, I've learned a bunch. I've had so much fun chatting and all that good stuff. Yeah, me too. This is awesome. I love going on rants. Thank you for the free marketing therapy. I feel like I got a lot of weight off my chest. <laughs> yeah, I, sh I should have looked at my, my watch and been like, all right, that's been an hour. I will see you next time. <laughs> but, like, but wait, we just got started. Um, you know, for those listening, um, for your therapy session as well if you've learned something and i know you have because i literally have two pages of notes over here <laughs> then like share this with someone else be a thought leader to like 14 people 90 104 whatever just linkedin twitter just you know just get this information out um you know and reach out to juliana about your website like what she does services too i mean she mentioned earlier just looking at someone's website and they're 
conversion path and being like, actually, this is crazy. And there may be some things that you might have on your side too. It's worth reaching out to and, and getting a little fresh eyes on the situation. So thank you so much again, Julian. I appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thank you. This yeah. We'll have to so have you come back fun. on post COVID and then just update us on the world. That sounds awesome. Awesome. Well, sweet. Well, everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com, engage in a chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one. 